Lord, have your way with us, God. That is our cry. God, we surrender everything to you. Control, God, our lives, Lord. God, we would just want to live for you and be for you, God. Jesus, you've done so much for us. You sacrificed. You gave your all, Lord, and we want to give our all to you tonight. Lord, I pray that you bless your word. I pray that your spirit would speak, God, that your spirit would speak through your word to speak to our hearts, to change us, God, to speak into our lives. So bless your word tonight. Bless our time, God. We pray for your anointing, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good evening, everybody. Uh, If you can grab your Bibles and welcome you guys online, too. If you can um, open your Bibles up to Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14. And we will be finishing this chapter tonight as we are making our way through this book, the book of Acts. And I know it's been great for me to go through it. I hope it has for you guys, too. Um, One quick announcement. Uh, This Saturday is our Women's Fellowship, 10 a.m., and I pray that you women could come out. I know it's been some great uh, discussion and going through the Word and prayer time and fellowship, and it's just been sweet. So I invite you guys to come out, you girls, and uh, be able to meet this Saturday, 10 a.m. Well, we're going to get right into it, as I've already prayed, uh, this Tonight, I was going to say this morning, tonight, we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 14 from verse 21 through 28. We had just, uh, we finished up the um, passage in front of this and we're going to continue on in our verse by verse chapter study and chapter by chapter study. And I titled our message, Committed to the Finish, Committed to the Finish, You know, I've always liked my to-do list. You know, I like my phone, and I like to put the to-do list on there. And and I I don't know. I I, I guess for me in my life, I feel more organized. I feel like, oh, I can check things off. Maybe it's, I feel like I'm in control of my life. And um, maybe you guys have your to-do list too, and maybe you're like me that, you know, when you have your to-do list and you get to check those things off, man, it feels good, yeah? feels so good, yeah, and when you get all done, your, your to-do list for the day, you're like, yes, accomplish something. But it, then there's that problem, right? When life gets crazy, it's hard to check those things off. It's hard to get to them. And then I'm looking at go. Oh, that was yesterday. And a day later, another day later. Oh, that was two days ago. Then it's a week later. Then it's a month later. And I get all frustrated. And I look at all these unfinished tasks. And you know what? I just delete it all. <laughs> and I start all over again. So I feel like, okay, here I go. I can do that again. Sometimes, though, it's not that available time that keeps us from getting that, those unfinished tasks done. Sometimes, it, you know what? I, sometimes it's like, we can't figure out how to tackle it. Or maybe you write it down and it's so huge a thing. It's like, I don't know if I can even do it. Why do I even put it on there? It's funny how you can become a slave to your to-do list when you're the master, actually. But you feel like, I don't know if I could tackle that task. But I was thinking about that. I am encouraged by something, uh, what a... Fred D. Jarvis said, he said this, The unfinished task which lies before us is no greater than the unlimited power of God behind us. Isn't that great? That gives us hope, right? That unfinished task, some things that maybe we're frustrated with, some things that we think we can't handle. Well, there's an unlimited power that, is there for us so that we can accomplish that task. And you know what? That's really what our walk is about. As we live for God, as God gives us things to do, as God sets us on His mission for our life, as He calls us to be lights and witnesses to Him, He's the one empowering us to do that. So our commitment needs to be based 
on God's calling and strength. So when we're giving a, a task, our commitment to that, our commitment to what God is asking us to do is really based on Him because He's the one who calls us, right? We know that if God calls us, He's going to provide the means and ability for us to accomplish that task. A lot of times though, isn't it, what looks convenient to me is what I'll go for. When it looks hard, uh, now nah, I'll just do the convenient thing. But I want to open your minds up, your mind up, to that God, what He calls you to do, His mission for you, He will provide the means and the ability to accomplish. So it's not about what's convenient to me anymore. It's about, okay, God, what do you want? But we get caught up in that convenience thing. Like this young man told his girlfriend, Kelsey, I love you so much. I'll climb the highest mountain for you. I'll cross the farthest desert for you. I'll sail the stormiest sea just to be with you. So I'll see you Sunday if it doesn't rain. Well, tonight, as we return to our study in the book of Acts, we see Paul and Barnabas committed to the finish. That's our title, Committed to the Finish. Again, we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 14 from verse 21 through 28. And there's four things we're going to see in our passage. These missionaries are, number one, retracing their steps. Number two, raising up the leaders. Number three, routing through Perga, and number four, reporting the work of God. And so those are the three things we're going to be finding in our passage here tonight. So let's begin, number one, retracing their steps. Retracing their steps. Now here, we're going to be covering verses 21 and 22 in this section. So let's take a look at those two verses. It reads here, Acts 14 Verse 21, when they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. So we'll stop here. Now, in verse 21, Paul and Barnabas, we see here, they're in this city we read here, they preach the gospel to that city. They're in this last city, so to speak, the end city, the farthest city they are going to in this first missionary journey. Remember, we've been covering this since chapter 13, that this is Paul and Barnabas, or Paul, as we know, his first missionary journey. Uh, we're going to be covering the second one and the third one in the book of Acts. But here we're, we're really coming to the end of the first missionary journey. Well, in verse 21, they preached the gospel to that city. What city? Well, really, it, we see that in verse 20. And if we back up just a little bit, we see that after Paul, he rose up. Remember, he was stoned, seemingly dead. He entered the city, which is Lystra. And on the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derby. So we see it was in the city Derby that Paul and Barnabas were preaching or sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, notice here, it says that in Derby here, that uh, they preached the gospel and had made many disciples. They made many disciples. Now, I think what was going on is a small kind revival was happening there. Nothing is said of any opposition like that we've seen in other cities with the Jews or creating riots or some of the Gentiles going against them as we've been seeing in the past weeks. So if so, that it was well received and a small kind of revival was going on, it must have been nice for them, right? To go to this last city on their first missionary journey to see God work in a great way. Now, Something to notice here is that they had made many disciples. They made disciples. Well, 
to me, it also tells us that Paul and Barnabas, they were not just into evangelism. They wasn't just preaching the word and seeing people saved, but they were also discipling the people too, the ones who were saved. Uh, if you remember, this is what Jesus said anyway, right? In Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, he said, Therefore, he told the disciples, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He just didn't say, go evangelize, go and, and save people, but he said, make disciples. In other words, uh, bring Christ, bring the salvation in Jesus to people so they can be saved, but also disciple them, uh, nurture them, raise them up in the Lord to become mature believers. So Paul and Barnabas, I like how it's termed here. I like how Luke wrote here that they had made many disciples. And I, I, I think it connects to Matthew twenty nineteen and how it gives this whole idea of not just preaching the word or preaching the gospel, people get saved, and you leave town. But you actually stay there and you nurture the new babes there. And as it goes on here in verse 21, Paul and Barnabas made sure that they did that, you know how? It says here in verse 21, and had made many disciples, and then it says, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. Now, we're going to put a map up, if, if we could put the map up. And here is a map of Paul's first missionary journey. If you could follow the arrows, you can see from uh, Antioch in Syria on on the, the coast of the Mediterranean. They went to Cyprus, the island. They traveled there. We saw all of this in, in chapter 13 and in this chapter 14. And then they made it up, right, to um, uh, Pamphylia, to Perga there. They went all the way up to Antioch, Pisidia of Antioch. And they went to Lystra uh, or Iconium, Lystra, and then to Derby. You can see that. Well, now you see the arrows turning around. Right, And this is what we're reading in our passage. You could keep the map up. Um, that's what they're doing. They're, they've turned around now, and they're going back, as we read in verse 21. They're going back. They return to Lystra, to Iconium, and to Pisidia, Antioch. So those three cities that they had been, they're returning. They're retracing their steps here. Why is that? Well, this is follow-up. When we uh, talk about people coming to Christ, then we do a follow-up. We talk to them. We, we continue to encourage them in the Lord. And we're going to get into the detail of what they did in the next verse. But this is interesting to me, that they went back through these cities. And you know why? Remember, they had to get out of those cities uh, in many instances, being that there was much persecution, uh, one of the cities there ran out of town. Uh, another one, they were threatened with their life. So it, they had to make sure the believers there were okay and persevering in the faith, in their faith in Christ Jesus. If you remember in Lyst Lystra there, where we just read in verse 20, Paul was stoned. Yeah? But he went back into the city, but the next day they went to Derby. So he was only there a day. So they went, he, they, uh, Paul and Barnabas went back right, into Lystra to encourage the believers there. They went to Iconium, we read. There was this, um, remember in Iconium, there was an attempt uh, on them that uh, they wanted to kill them, and so they fled the city. So they had to go back and see, make sure the believers were okay. In Pisidia, Antioch, they were chased out of town, if you remember that too. So here these missionaries were making sure that the new believers were okay. They were doing the follow-up here. So you can see them going back there. Now, after all that had happened, all that we've studied and how they ran or stoned and their life threatened, after all that had happened, personal safety was not the main thing on their minds of these missionaries. It was to take care of the new believers. So I'm amazed that they went back. So here's what I want you to see, first of all. In retracing their steps, we see the courage of the missionaries. 
as they, re- were, as they were retracing their steps, we see the courage of these missionaries. You know, John Calvin said, there can be no courage in men unless God supports them by his word. And I, I like that thought. I'm sure they were holding on to the promises of God. I'm sure they were holding on to what the word of God says. But I feel like they had the courage to go back because of God's command that they were to go out and make disciples. It was like, okay, we went to Derby. They made disciples there. You know what? We got to go back to these other cities and make disciples. Make sure that we can disciple them. Do follow-up in that way. And so in God's mission for them that they were called to go and share Jesus and then to follow up, to, to, to raise up disciples, to nurture the new believers, they had the courage because they knew God will accomplish His plan. So if God called Paul and Barnabas to go out and quote-unquote make disciples, then they could find courage to go back into those cities that they had uh, faced so much opposition. I know the Holy Spirit is guiding them. I'm sure that God was leading them in their will and in in His will. They found that courage. And I think, you guys, that's what we got to find our confidence in. That's where we find our security in what we do in our lives and what God calls us to do. If He calls us, remember, He's going to provide the means and the ability for us to fulfill His will in our life, His calling, His plan, the mission that He's handing toward us. He's not going to just say, you better go and leave you out alone, right? Knowing that, we can have courage. Knowing that, we can face the opposition. Knowing that, we can wake up tomorrow, go into work, and knowing that oh, all this stuff is going on. But God, you want me there. So there must be a purpose. There must be a plan. So I'm going to trust you, God, so we find courage in Him through the Holy Spirit in that way. So I like this, that they were retracing their steps yeah, with that courage and going back to those hostile areas Well, verse 22, what we read that here's what they did in their follow-up. Here's what they did in their strengthening. They bravely went back to follow-up and to do three things here. First of all, in verse 22, we read strengthening the souls of the disciples. So those people who came to the Lord, they went back to Lystra, to Iconium, to Pisidia, Antioch. Why? To strengthen them, to strengthen their souls, their spirit. Now, the word strengthen here in the Greek, it means to prop up or support. So they came in to prop them up, to support them. You know what my thinking is? These are new believers here. Had been that long that they're believers and they're trying to walk in the Lord and stuff. So they're, they come alongside, really, to help them, help them walk. It's like um, I remember Manu first walking, our, our, our grandson, yeah, our, our first grandson. Um, um, we had a granddaughter, grandson, another grandson, but that, that Manu, right? When he's, all of them, actually, when they first start walking, what do you do? Oh, you hold them up. Okay, right? You, you put your, your arms under their armpits. You're like, okay, go, go. Or you're holding their hands, and they're like, okay, this is how you walk, yeah? And little by little, they're like learning to walk, you know? And, and they could let go one hand, and they could walk, or, or they take a few steps, and you catch them, Yeah? And so little by little, you're helping them walk. And so Paul and Barnabas are there to help them walk in the Lord, to support them. Now, we, and I am, I, I'm, I'm assuming that Paul and Barnabas taught them the word because that's what we do with new believers, right? We um, have been privileged to um, be able to do follow-up on Samaritan's person. Uh, going out, or I should say the Billy Graham uh, chaplain's been going out and talking to people, being there while the Samaritan's Purse guys are doing work. And, and there's been people up country that have given their life to the Lord or rededicated their life. And, and so they asked us to do the follow-up for them. And so they're giving us contact sheets. And, and, and so the instructions I give our, our people who are doing the follow-up is, is, you know, one of the things is to make sure when you call them that they're in the Word, 
Yeah? That they're praying every day. That they find a good Bible teaching church to be in fellowship. You know, uh, Things like that. I share Christ with one another. And so I'm sure that those are the things that Paul and Barnabas were sharing with these new believers in Lystra and Iconium and Pisidia and Antioch to, to, hey, start stay in the Word, you know. Um, uh, pray, you know, meet together. Those things that are important in, as you start walking in the Lord. Because really, what, what, what is that? You know, when, remember when you first came to the Lord, it's kind of like, what would I do now? You know, where do I go now? And people encourage me. Oh, read the book of John, you know. Come to church, you know. Come prayer meeting. Come, you know, be involved. You know, let's worship the Lord. Pray every day. Do your devotions. And so I'm sure they're there doing similar things, uh, giving them that spiritual support so that they could walk in the Lord in their life. I was thinking about that when we talk about strengthening or propping up or support. You know, some people say, oh, yeah, Jesus Christ, he's, he's just your crutch. He's just a crutch. And I say, yeah, he is my crutch. He's my legs. He's my, he's my surgeon. He's my doctor. He's my whole hospital because I need healing. And we all need that healing, don't we? All right. So first of all, they were strengthening the souls. Number two, we read on here in verse 2, encouraging them to continue in the faith. So the second thing was they were encouraging the believers to keep going. To really, the word is persevere. Yeah. Don't, don't be, you know, those like the seed that fell on the rocky ground and when, you know, troubles and trials and persecution came that, oh, you know, they weren't there anymore. Well, they're saying, no, persevere in your walk with Jesus. In other words, continue, continue on in obedience to his word. Keep to what he wants you to do. Why? Because this is who we are now in Christ. Right? What, the things that we read here in the Bible, the things that we find out about God, about salvation, about Jesus, and then we find out who we are in Christ, right? And the things that God is asking us to do is because that's who we are now in Christ. Remember, I, I, I say this, uh, I've, I've said this in the past, I say it a lot, is that we obey the Lord and we obey the word not because we have to. It's not like we have to do this to be saved or we have to do this to be accepted by God. But we do it because we want to now. It's because this is who we are now in Christ. And so we want to be and become everything God wants us to be. We want to be connected and linked in with the Holy Spirit and what He's doing in our lives. The Bible tells us that we're what? New creations, right? 2 Corinthians 5.17. And so this is who we are now. How do we know who we are? I mean, have you ever thought about that? Like, okay, God, I'm a new creation. Well, what does that mean? Well, let me tell you. Read Ephesians, you know. This is walking in the flesh. This is walking in the Spirit. Galatians 5, this is fruit of the Spirit. Uh, Romans 8, 29, uh, talking about we've been predestined, right, to the image of Christ, that God is forming our character and making us who we are in that uh, sanctification process to be godly like God is, to be holy like God. God is. But it's not that we have to. It's that, well, we want to because we want to be like Christ. And as God calls us to obey Him, then He will what? Provide the Holy Spirit for us to be able to walk in those ways. The Bible also says in 1 John 2.19 that they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might be complained that they are not of us. See what John is writing there? He's saying, look, these guys went out. And they went out because they weren't really saved. They weren't really part of us. Because if they really were saved, they were part of the church. They've continued here. They would continue to walk in the Lord. But they didn't. So it just proves that they weren't really believers. That's what he's saying. So here, Paul and Barnabas, in their discipleship of these believers, are saying, hey, persevere in your walk. Continue on. It really proves 
who you are in Christ, it really proves that there has been a changed life. All right, so first of all, uh, strengthening the soul. Second, they were encouraging them to continue to persevere in their faith. And number three is, is here at the end of verse 22, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. So they were reminding them that, you know what? You're going to go through trouble, trials, and hardship. Don't be surprised about that. Don't, don't be shocked. Don't be taken back. Like, what's going on, God? What, you know, um, is this really what I signed up for? And all of that. In, a, in other words, they're writing here that, that from here, from this moment, this, that you receive Christ till you go to heaven, you will suffer many hardships. That's what the NLT translates as. What, why is that? Well, you know why? Because we're in a spiritual battle. That's why. Because we live in a fallen world that thinks, right, differently than how we are to think now as believers. That operate differently as how we operate now in Jesus Christ. So we're, that's going to create conflict. Because we're not going to go and do the same things as, uh, as people in the world are our friends who are not saved. And once you become saved, you're, you're not going to do the same thing. So you're not going to join them. You're not going to hang out with them. And that will create some conflict in that sense. There's also another issue. We also battle with our sinful flesh, don't we? Well, until we get our glorified bodies, we're going to have that battle inside of us. But... Through Christ, we are free from the bondage of sin. And through the Holy Spirit, we can live a victorious life. A life that is free from the control of the flesh. But that's a battle going on inside of us. And then there's another battle that happens. And you can guess what that is. It's a battle with the devil, right? Because now we switch sides. He's mad. He doesn't like where we're at. He doesn't like where for the kingdom of God, because he hates God. He hates Jesus. He's against everything that they do. And now that we're on God's team, he's going to come against us to stop God's work, to stop you from fulfilling the mission God has given you. So there's going to be a battle. So we are going to have a hard hardships and trials and tribulation, as it's said here. We're going to have a hard time with what we see also in John, the world, the flesh, and the devil. You know, um, if some, sometimes people might say, come to Jesus and everything's going to be great and perfect. Well, the reality is everything's not unicorns and rainbows, right? There might be horns and, and rainstorms, but there are blessings though, right? We have to say there is forgiveness. Oh, that's... That's a blessing. There is a life with God that we didn't have before. There is freedom from our sin and healing in that sense. I mean, there are great blessings, but we still need to wake up and put on the armor of God every day. So I don't want to be an Eeyore here, you know, from Winnie the Pooh. It's a wonderful day, you know, right? Kind of thing. But we have to understand the reality that don't be shocked if you're in the middle of a battle. Don't be shocked if these things happen. But know that your God, your Jesus, is still there and he's protecting you. And sometimes the sweetest time of worship for me is in the middle of the storm. Sometimes the, the sweetest times of feeling God's presence and being blessed by God's strength and power is in the middle of those trials. And it's not that every day is going to be all this stuff. You know, we're going to have our blessed days. But thank God for joy also that he puts into our hearts. All right, so here Paul and Barnabas, they disciple them in those three things strengthening the soul encouraging them to persevere in the faith and understand that there's going to be trials so in tracing their steps the missionaries followed up with discipleship 
in tracing their steps, uh, the missionaries followed up with this uh, discipleship. You know, we need to be committed to that too, I think. We need to be committed to helping someone grow in the Lord. We need to do that with each other, to encourage each other. You know, I was moved by something this Baptist minister and theologian, George Ladd, said. Let me read this to you. He said, Our responsibility is not to insist on defining the terms of our task, but our responsibility is to complete it. So long as Christ does not return, our work is not done. Let us get busy and complete our mission. I love that. Yeah. Here's Paul and Barnabas. They, they're saying, well, we got to go back through these cities because we need to adequately disciple these guys. So they're retracing their steps. They're committed to complete the task God has given them. And, and we need to start putting that into our minds, don't we? We need to commit to these things. Not just share Jesus, but be ready and open to maybe disciple others. Help someone grow in the Lord. Perhaps get together with someone here in church. Or perhaps uh, one of your friends, you know, that is outside of church that needs the Lord as you witness to them. If they come to the Lord, then you know what? Bring them to church and then start discipling them. Helping them as new babes in, in Christ. If you want... Um, the Billy Graham guys have given me some books uh, or ham, uh, little study books that uh, I forgot to bring it tonight, but I'll bring it to church that if you want, grab a couple of them and, and, and see if someone will sit down with you every week. Because we are all called to this, not just me. It just not, it's not just leadership, but it's every one of us, right? When Jesus said, go and make disciples, you know, he wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, go and make disciples. Just you, you guys, this, you apostles. No, it's every one of us. We have a mission to do, and God has called us to do that. So we see these guys are committed to the finish, and part of that was to disciple others. And that's why they were, they were retracing their steps. Well, there's something else that they did, and we'll come to number two here, raising up the leaders, raising up the leaders. And here we're just covering verse 23. Luke goes on here and writes, And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So Paul and Barnabas not only uh, discipled uh, uh, the believers, but they also raised up leaders. They appointed elders so that they would lead in all the churches there in the city in every church there they raise up these elders to basically oversee leaders to oversee the church i like how it says here in verse 23 that uh with prayer and fasting they committed them to the lord so it wasn't just well okay i'll pick you no they spent time with the lord to find god's will and who is called to lead the church. So they sought God in that way. And then they committed them to the Lord. In other words, they placed them in the care of God. God, we pray over them, officially committing uh, them to God, to, for God to lead and guide them while they're gone, while they're away, that this church would flourish. So uh, here is Paul and Barnabas setting things up with the church to make sure of its churches success because we're a body right of the christ christ is the head and we're the local church is both an organism because we're connected together like a body but it's also an organization and if you think about it if the organism is not organized it's not going to function correctly so there needs to be leadership that god has placed there and so Paul and Barnabas made sure the church body will run on its own with the right leadership. So here's these guys. They're raising up, uh, raising up the leaders was to ensure the church will continue. Raising up the leaders was to ensure the church will continue on. And you know what? 
but the right leadership and the church working together as members of one body, right? The church can do amazing things. The church can accomplish a lot of things. And really, that's the thought here. This is what they, they know what needs to happen. You ever see the, the geese flying in that V formation, you know, and, and they're flying they're, and everything. Some of them are just gliding, some flap a little bit, and they're flying in that formation. Well, as, as, as each bird flaps, it creates lift for the one behind, and, 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 and so together, it's, it's kind of like coordinated. And I was reading that in that formation, the geese can fly 71% farther than if they flew on their own. Isn't that cool to know? Well, 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 let's apply that to the church. Together, as we work as a team, as we help each other, we can do more together than alone. And so we need to be a church like that. We need to be in unity in that. We need to function as a body here, as a church. So God may be calling you, to do something. God may be putting on your heart to be involved in some way. It's part of God's calling and wanting our church to fly like that, to do more than what I could ever do alone. I, I can't do too much anyway. But <laughs> together, we can do plenty, right? We can do plenty. So let's work together as a team lined up, right? God-appointed and we can, oh, we can change the world around us. So these guys are committed to the finish, retracing their steps, raising up the leaders. And now number three, routing through Perga. Routing through Perga. This is verse 24 through 26. And we'll read it all together. Verse 24. Then they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Atalia, and from there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. Okay, so Luke tells us now from they were in Derby, they went to Lystra, Iconium, uh, Pisidia, Antioch, then then they went down and uh, they went to Pisidia, the area of Pisidia. So if you can put the map up, and put the map up again, and you see. You'll see Pisidia there, and that's like the area. Pisidia is where Antioch is now. So um, they were there um, in, in Antioch. So from there, they went down to Pamphylia, which is another area. And in Pamphylia is those cities Perga and Atalia. Now, if the city Perga on the coast there, if it sounds familiar, well, if you remember when they left, it says on the arrow, right? When they left uh, Cyprus, the island, right? They went up to and ended up in Perga there. And that's uh, chapter 13, verse 13. And if you remember, it was there that we don't really read Paul doing ministry. Um, uh, it could be, I mentioned back then in chapter 13, that some commentators believe maybe that's when he got sick. When you mentioned that, I think it was in Galatians that uh, he got sick and so he, he had to go to higher ground. Some think, well, maybe it was malaria or something and he had to go to higher ground. That's how they ended up in, ended up in Pisidia, Antioch. So this time, coming back, they did stop in Perga in verse 25 and they, uh, they had spoken the word in Perga. So they shared Christ there. So... Perhaps they went there making sure that Perga was covered there. And then they went to the port in Italia. Now, they didn't go back to the island of Cyprus, but they got on a ship and went straight to um, Antioch in Syria there on the coast of the Mediterranean. I don't know why they didn't go to Cyprus. Maybe they did enough there when they first passed through. But what's interesting to me is that they made sure that they would share Jesus in Perga since they probably were not able to. And it was probably one of the target cities that they maybe already had planned when they first set out on this missionary uh, journey. 
So not wanting to skip their commitment, uh, they went to Perga. It was important to go there. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about this too. Perhaps they could have skipped Italia. Just, uh, it seemed like the, and when they first came through, they went to uh, Perga, but they went over to Italia, um, or, or they could have gone straight to Italia and grabbed the ship there and go back to Antioch. But they made sure to go to Perga um, first, then Italia, then to Antioch. And for me, it, it makes me think that they could have taken, maybe skipped Perga and taken this other uh, a route. Maybe it would have been more convenient. Oh, why, why we got to go this way for a little bit? You know, it's already been long. I think one commentator said they were already one year away, you know. So, so it's a pretty long mission trip here. Uh, maybe they're ready to go home, but they did not want to skip Perga, most likely, because it was already in plan, and they, maybe they skipped it on the way. And so it would have been convenient to skip it, but the heart for the loster drove them to do more. So, routing through Perga went against convenience, but went with their commitment. And those are two words I'm bringing up again. We can live by convenience, or we live by the commitment we made to the Lord. And it seems to me, for these guys, they routed through Perga. It went against what was convenient, but they went with their commitment. You know, we're, we're, we're all selfish human beings, right? we rather do what's convenient. we rather do uh, the, the, the shortcut, not the long way. Yeah. Especially when you're tired, right? Especially when you're sleepy. Especially when you're hungry. It's like, oh, I don't want to do this. Oh, I, I have to, I want to, right? And, and these emotions and our, our self kind of rises up and, you know, how about you? Think about you. Yeah, yeah, I, I need this. Yeah, I deserve this. I, you know, and so we opt for convenience for ourselves. But we got to remember what was the commitment we made to the Lord. Did we say, I surrender, Lord? Did we sing that song? But now we're like tired and hungry. I don't surrender right now, you know. What, what, we need to be reminded of our commitment you know uh, uh, some sometimes we just think like that automatically i think we got to reprogram our minds we got to reprogram remember who we are remember what god has called us to do and we need to like wait i'm always doing what's convenient i'm always defaulting to that i was thinking about how um uh like the other week um when we were on oahu and i don't like driving oahu and, but we didn't have, uh, have to drive, actually. Maybe it was another trip. I remember I had to drive. But, you know, you, you put in the GPS, right? And, and then it'll give you a blue line, a solid blue line. And then there's that faded one for an alternate route, you know? And then you're kind of picking what? What's the fastest, right? Uh, well, this, this one's 45 and, and this one's 59. Now nah, I'm going to take this one, right? And you click on the one that you want. And you seem like it's the fastest. And well, I don't know, from, I think the program makes it that way anyway. But sometimes I think we do that. We pick what's convenient, what's the fastest, what's better for us rather than what are we committed to. Sometimes it, it's our convenience is not finishing what God has given us. Is there unfinished business that God has given you to do? Is there things that God has called you or, or you were doing that and then you never... You, it's 8, 12 p.m. Oh, it's 8.12 p.m. Did I say something? <laughs> Sometimes Siri, like, will talk back. But, yeah. It's 8, 12 p.m., you guys. <laughs> Are we going to finish? I hope so, Pastor Rick. Hurry up. But, <laughs> you know, one of the things about finishing well is to finish what we started. So let's not default, yeah, 
to what's convenient. Let's default to what our commitment is, what we told the Lord, what we are committed to, what God has called us to do. You know, the big part of this mission for Paul and Barnabas was that, to finish the mission. And going out of the way, it's all right. And and look, I, I understand, right? We can get flustered when we hit opposition. We can, we can get discouraged when things don't go the way we want it. I mean, Paul and Barnabas, oh, they had a hard time in many of these cities, but they still went back because of their commitment. Where are you today? Don't give in. Don't give up. Don't give up because you don't see any progress. Don't give in because, well, nobody's encouraging me and you feel all alone. Don't give up when, when no one appreciates you or, or don't give in because of difficulties that come or maybe it's financial difficulties. Maybe you're like hitting problem after problem after problem. Don't give in. Don't give up. Don't give up because of criticism. Or someone's opposing you there. Don't give in to, you know what, Satan's strategies. He wants you to bring you to that place where you say, forget it. I don't want to do this anymore. The one who is truly committed will stay the course even when things get tough, even when you're weary, even in the battles. Let's stop protecting what's convenient Because what's convenient will steal the blessings that come in times of trial. Think about this. It was in Perga, do you remember? In Acts 13, 13, that John Mark jumped ship, right? He jumped ship and he left the missionary team. He went back to Antioch. I'm over this. I don't want this. I'm over it. I think he gave into his convenience, not commitment, where Paul and Barnabas went on. Yeah, they faced a lot of things, but they saw a lot of huge things that God did. I think about Amy Carmichael. She was a missionary to India. Her day started at 5 a.m. and ended at 10 p.m. regularly. Her main ministry, she was rescuing children from being sold to the to the temple because people were poor and they needed money and they would sell their own children. They become like prostitutes in that way. She would write for missionaries to come help. And some would come, but they would not last. It was too hard. And they would just leave. But she stuck with it. And today she, she's one of my, my hero missionaries. Amy Carmichael. She committed to the finish. I, I just started to read um, a book I read of her a long time ago. It's called Gold Cord. And it's a, a story, a biography or autobiography. Of her, uh, it's a story of her. I just started out and I'm like, oh, I'm excited to get into that again. I was thinking about this. What is Philippians 1.6? What if it said, he who began a good work in you might not finish it? <laughs> what would you think? What? God, what? No. So let's follow God and be faithful to complete the commitment we made to him. All right. Well, these guys are committed to the finish, retracing their steps, raising up leaders, routing through Perga. Number four, reporting the work of God. So last two verses in this chapter and tonight, verse 27. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. And they remained no little time with the disciples. That last verse means they remained a long time with the disciples. And I always think it's funny sometimes the English, but the old way they write yeah, in the Greek. Oh, no, they, they remained no little time. It's actually a long time. Anyway. So, back up a bit. So, they, um, they sailed to Antioch in verse 26, back to where they were committed to the grace of God, 
for the work. So that, remember, they, hands are laid on them and, and they fast and prayed and, and the church in Antioch sent Paul and Barnabas out. That's where it all started. So they're back now to where they started from and that they had fulfilled. In other words, they completed their mission. And so they're back in Antioch. And so when they arrived, they got the church together. And I like this. They declared all that God had done with them. I love that. It, 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 it wasn't, oh, look what I did. Yeah, Look what we did. No, they gave glory to God because it was the Holy Spirit who did all this. They were the servants. They were the tools. But they were excited to share all that God had done in giving him glory and how he had opened the door. Remember that opportunity to share with the Gentiles and the Gentiles came to faith and were being saved. So Paul and Barnabas gave glory to God who did this incredible work through this missionary journey. Listen, they gave glory to God who did this incredible work through their commitment. They, they saw it through the whole way. Yeah, They didn't give up. They didn't stop. Paul, he gets stoned, left for dead, and he gets up and goes back into the city that stoned him. That's commitment there. That's commitment right there. I think about how God is our sufficiency, Paul wrote in Corinthians. He gives us that sufficient grace for every day to live for him. See, God provides the means and the ability for us to live every day, to fulfill what God has called us to do, no matter what that is. Maybe it's for you. Wake up and Kristen's been watching the grandkids, you know. Uh, may, maybe it's, it's waking up, going to work, and being a light and witness there. Uh, whatever that is, God gives you the sufficient grace for that day. And it's all of God. It's the Holy Spirit working in our lives. And so Paul and Barnabas, they were able to say, look what God did. This is what God did on this journey. Let me tell you the stories. And probably told everything that we've been studying in this past few few chapters and then isn't this what jesus said right in acts 1 8 right he said you will receive power when the holy spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in jerusalem judea samaria and to the end of the earth and they're at the end of the earth basically they're going out into the world that is what god gave paul and barnabas that ability it was god all the way you know what all they had to do was be committed to what they were called to do. And all they had to do is show up. Just show up. Sometimes we wonder, I don't know how, how can we do this, but God, you want me to? Well, just show up and see God work. Their job was to faithfully show up. God's job was to do the work through them. So the missionaries were reporting the work of God, testifying, you know what, I believe, to the power of the Holy Spirit. The missionaries were reporting the work of God, testifying to the power of the Holy Spirit. So understand, when we, make, when we hear God call us, and we say, okay, Lord, we make that commitment, don't hesitate because you think, well, how, how is this going to work, God? And you're feeling God calling you. Well, I don't know, Lord. I, I, I need to know how. God's just saying, come, I'll show you later. Just show up and you'll see me work. Sometimes we're so hesitant, right? Like, oh, we got to know before we take that step. Like Peter <laughs> walking on the water. I don't know, God. Will, this, will you really hold me up? No. He, God, uh, Jesus, if you, if you want, I'll come. Come. And he goes out. So, be open to what God can do. And start your journey 
with this commitment, trusting in what God will do. I heard of some pilots who flew one of the big 747s years ago, and they punch in the longitude and latitude. I was reading about this for takeoff and landing. Well, up in the air, they realized that they were not headed toward London, but Brazil. I think they were able to fix it before they went too far. But it made me think about how one small misclick on the computer made a big difference in the end. So when we step out, we need to step out with this commitment, not convenience. We need to step out trusting God that, all right, Lord, you're going to provide the means and ability. And so, God, I'm going to commit to you all the way because if this is your will and this is what you're calling me to do, then I need to step out this way. So watch how you begin because it will affect how you end. Let's stay totally surrendered and committed to the Lord. I'll close with this. Maria Dreyer was born in 1837 on the mission field in China where her parents were missionaries. Both her parents died when Maria was a little girl and she was sent back to England to be raised by an uncle. The loss of her parents, however, did not deter her young heart from the importance of sharing the gospel. At age 16, she, along with her sister, returned to China to work in a girls' school, and she became a missionary herself. Five years later, she ended up marrying Hudson Taylor. You guys know Hudson Taylor. I talk about him a lot. He's a pioneer missionary to China. And uh, Hudson and Maria's work went on here, but often it was criticized, sadly, even by other Christians. And at one point, Maria wrote this, as to the harsh judgings of the world or the more painful misunderstandings of Christian brethren, I generally feel that the best plan is to go on with our work and leave God to vindicate our cause. She just kept going. Of their nine children, only four survived to adulthood. Maria herself died of cholera when she was just 43 years old. But she believed the cause was worthy of the sacrifice. On her grave marker, uh, on her grave was, are these words on her, her, her gravestone. And uh, it's inscribed this, For her to live was Christ and to die was gain. You know, for many Christians, we're, we're, we can be so self-absorbed rather than Christ-absorbed. We only seek to get rather to give. But Christ gave his all. That's what he has done. He committed all to the plan of God. So you know what? We need to do the same thing. We need to be 110% following in Christ's footsteps. We need that fire, you guys, today. We need that today. That's the kind of life that will give God glory. That's the kind of life that will see God's power moving in your life. So let us then be what God called us to do. Committed to the finish. Let's pray. God, in our hearts, we do make mistakes. There's a lot of unfinished promises that we've made you. Lord, there are to-do things on our list that we made for you, but we haven't done. But Lord, we want a second chance, God. We want to start anew. Hearing what these missionaries, Paul and Barnabas, their heart, their commitment, their perseverance, their courage, God, their commitment to fulfill the mission you gave them all the way to complete it to the finish. God, we want that same heart, Lord. God, we, we no longer don't, we don't want it to be about us anymore. We don't want it to be com- default to convenience, but we want to default to commitment now. So Lord, stir in us a fire, Lord, for you to live this life for you, God, 
to not fall asleep, Lord, in our flesh, but to come alive, resurrected like you are, to live this life, God, for you and nothing else today, God. Lord, you have done so much. God, now may we do much for you. In Jesus' name, amen.